Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, Welcome in to the, the Penis Project podcast. Today, we're very honoured to have Brian the Lion and Vanessa the Undresser. Um, the reason we've invited them on today is that they are a lovely couple who Joe and I have both spent a bit of time with over the last 20 months. And um, when I first met Brian, he was a single guy and he didn't meet Vanessa the Undresser until some months later. And so often men are saying this is such a difficult thing to negotiate impotence, prostate cancer and dating. So this is an example of how someone can do it. And if you're wondering why Brian is a lion, if anyone who's in <laughs> Western Australia drives down Stirling Highway, there's an amazing billboard that is says on it in writing, meet, come and meet the main man. And the picture is this great big lion with a big mane. And I was fascinated as to know what on earth was advertising using that. And obviously in my profession, I thought it must have been some sort of clever way of advertising a sexual thing, but it's actually advertising <laughs> the Perth Zoo. So, <laughs> but anyway, still an amazing thing. So we have Brian the lion and Vanessa the undresser and just good old Joe and me. We're a bit boring now. So welcome. Lovely to have you both share your story today. It's a really important one and not one we've covered before. Yeah. So, Brian, tell us first, like, what, what were you like before you had prostate cancer? Just a regular fellow uh, coming into retirement. Mm-hmm. And you'd been single for a while, hadn't you? Been single for a while, yeah, for 18 months or so. Yeah, a bit closer. Yeah. 18 months or so. Okay. And then how did you feel when you first got diagnosed and you thought, God, I'm single and I'm on the dating scene? And what was your biggest concern? Uh, well, with prostate cancer, dying. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, always a good place to start. So uh, I figured it was 
better to be impotent than dead. Yep. So at least you've got half a chance when you're alive. So it didn't bother me hugely because I would rather have been alive. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, so I didn't think about it too much. And then you went through the surgery and then how did you go with continence? You, because that, Joe was dealing with that, so let me let her ask you about that. Well, Brian, we got to meet before the surgery and we had a couple of sessions together and I taught you the pelvic floor exercises and do you remember if you were diligent with doing them? Yes, I was very diligent. I used to do them at the lights at the stop sign. Very good. <laughs> and, and we did have a pretty quick recovery do you remember how quick it actually was to to get sorted? For me, it was amazing. I finished the surgery and then you have to go through the process of um, the pads and all that sort of stuff. I think I had pads for possibly two weeks. And in November, um, I did a motorcycle tour of Tasmania for two weeks without any pads, without any anything and just as normal. And that was only about six weeks after your surgery, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, six weeks after surgery. Yeah, so you had a pretty stellar run. So in, in which case, you didn't need to see too much of me. No, So, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> so then I flicked you across to Melissa and Melissa would have started how, how, how long after the surgery? Well, this is interesting because he said he didn't really care about impotence, but I'm just looking at his notes now. <laughs> and he had his surgery on the 6th, of September in 2021 and I had seen him pre-op but then I saw him again post-op and he was very happy that there was no incontinence at all and he was cancer free according to the pathology and Joe had said that she didn't need to see him again. The only time that you were leaking at all was if you farted you told me. Yes. There was a little drop came out. <laughs> um, That's an age thing I think yeah. rather than a, <laughs> a, better, than a prostate, a prostate thing. thing. And we had a look at your pathology and there was no green little nerves visible. So I was very happy with that and thought you had a pretty good chance of getting things back. Um, No erectile function at all. And we were only just under four weeks. And guess what? The person who wasn't keen tried his first injection. Frightful. Absolutely (laughs) frightful. How did that go? Well, it was frightful bringing out all the goods to be injected. (laughs) And it worked very, very well. And um, on the drive down the freeway home, there it was, not wanting to go away. And you were pretty excited, if I remember correctly. Pretty excited and a bit nervous it wasn't going away. But it did, didn't it? (laughs) It did. It eventually went away. (laughs) It did go away. Very uncomfortable driving down the freeway. And then after that, there's really kind of been no stopping you since then. We got, as far as I know, we got back to the – I gave you a call and you said – what did you say? It was wasted because it went away and you didn't get to use it. But you were <laughs> – and, and you wrote, see you on the 3rd for the next exciting instalment. And then it took us a bit to perfect the dose, didn't it? Yep. And then come after we did that, come March, you were lucky enough to meet Vanessa the Undresser. And then <laughs> – yes, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. The hard part is meeting a new partner and trying to explain that it doesn't work. But it does work. And it's quite a convoluted conversation and you have to have trust in the other person. And Vanessa, how do you recall that conversation going? It was uh, interesting. I wasn't quite sure how to take it or interpret it or what to think of it. Um, To talk a little bit more and explain how it would work and what would happen. 
Um, it's like, well, okay, well, let's just give it a go and see how it works. But it was a bit of a shock. Um, yeah. Had you ever come across anyone before you met Brian that said, my penis doesn't work and I put a needle in it and I get an erection? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Never. So it was, it was a surprise. Yeah, no, something that I guess as we get older... Um, it starts to happen and you just don't think about it. But, um, yeah, I had to think about it. But he made such an impression it was worth experimenting. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot running through my head that particular night and um, nothing happened that night. But then, you know, it gave, gave, uh, gave me time to um, think about it and um, did I want to, you know, I really liked him. So I thought, well, okay, we'll see how it goes, see what happens. And how did you feel, Brian, the first time that you guys got to hook up, as they call it, in young people's language? Well, I was very nervous because I hadn't used it in anger <laughs> <laughs> prior to that. <laughs> so it was all experimental. The bonus is that it's quite long-lasting. It's, it's quite long-lasting and mm. uh, that can be a bonus for someone of... Of my age. That's right. So we haven't even talked about your age. So you're 64 and I imagine there's not many 64-year-olds that can last as long as you can when you use an injection. No, but I'm not about to tell the boys down the pub about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite good. It is. <laughs> yeah, because I imagine, um, you know, and I hope I'm not speaking out of school, but, you know, if you've been a single woman of a middle age, then you would have experienced that most men at that age can't last very long because that's pretty normal. That's right, yeah. So this was probably impressive. It was like a, a good surprise. Yeah, it was, you know, and, and, you know, we have the opportunity to have a rest and then get back to it. So it's actually quite quite good. Hmm. Do you mean like a second injection or...? No, no, so with just the one injection we could go two, two or three rounds depending on where we are, what we're doing and how we're feeling. Can you explain that, Melissa? Does it go up and down in between the injections? No. So the if you can time the injection so it can last like half an hour, an hour, up to two hours is safe. So if um, a couple are keen, then it can last a little bit longer and so it just stays up and you can use it more than once because most men, when they have their orgasm, their erection will go down and when you're a young guy, there's a period of refractory where it will pop back up again, but no offence, Brian. When you're getting a bit longer in the tooth, it takes quite a long time for the refractory period. So it means that an older guy can keep his erection for long enough to do it more than once. And also, you can often men often say that they can have more than one orgasm, which they hadn't been able to do before. Is that right for you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a bonus. Mm. So there's a whole lot of silver mm. linings. Great orgasms and erections that stay up for an extended period of time. And even after the extended time, the next morning it might pop up by itself without any encouragement. Yeah, that is a bonus. <laughs> and look, it actually makes no logical sense to me while whilst this happens, but it does. Like often mm. men will say, you know, the next day after I've had an injection, it does a little bit on its own, which it doesn't do any other day. And the only logic I can put to that is there's just a bit of extra blood flow in there still. Well, it has a mind of its own. It's, it has nothing to do with me when it chooses to perform without <laughs> the injection. <laughs> And it was, at the early stages it wasn't performing without the injection at all, was it? But now no. it is because we're getting close to the two-year mark and it's starting yeah. to wake up on his own. Yes, but I have no control over when he wakes up. So, you know, just um, take advantage of it when you can. Mm -hmm. So, um, so uh, and as time's gone on, have you found that you're reducing the amount of mixture you need? 
Yes, yeah, I've, I've reduced now, not by a lot, but I can reduce it more and more. Yeah, and I know we did try some different mixes. You might be more over this, Vanessa, because I think you mm. and I were conversing about this. We tried some different mixes at one stage. Yeah. I can't really remember the reason why. Was that because it was lasting too long or not long enough? Or what was our reasoning oh, for that? I've got to think back on that. Um, the first one lasted too long. Yeah. The and then first I, mix. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then we reduced it a lot. Yes, and then we just decided to try a different one to try a different one. That's yeah, right. Yeah, but he had a problem with the lymphatic drainage as well. So the lymphedema kicked in. That's right. And so he was a, an unusual shape which made it difficult. That's um, right. I remember yes. this now. That was a good so, story. Yeah, I like Yeah, that. so that, that was the main reason to change. And then when he mm. changed it, then it was a little bit painful for him to the other one. So that had to be back down to, you know... Uh, rejigged as well. The one we're on now, because I remember this now, because Brian had some lymph nodes removed and so he ended up developing a bit of lymphedema, so his old fella started to look a bit like a a Christmas (laughs) tree, (laughs) a bit like a Christmas tree. It was kind of (laughs) conical in shape. Um, And we sent you off to the lymphedema physio. Lymphedema Linda. Lymphedema Linda. That's good. God, that's hard to say. Lymphedema (laughs) Linda. Try and say that a few (laughs) times. Um, And then also we went through a period where we, remember we were like strapping it with, um, we're putting a bandage on it all the way down to the base and leaving it for a bit and releasing it. But that worked, didn't it? We got that lymphedema out of the base because he was a bit fat for. Yeah. 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 He was a bit too fat. So there is a possibility, everyone listening, you can have too big a penis but you have one of those problems. <laughs> too big a fat. <laughs> too big a fat. Too big a fat. Um, <laughs> Melissa, I haven't encountered that before. Is it something you've seen before with the lymphedema situation? Well, it's interesting because there was up until probably a year and a half ago, I hadn't been seeing lymphedema because not many of the surgeons in Perth had been taking out lymph nodes. And I think if you remember, we interviewed a guy in England who contacted us about lymphedema and I was like, we never really see it. But then some of the surgeons started taking out a a few of the lymph nodes again um, if they were worried. And then recently I've been seeing quite a lot of men with lymphedema, which I've been sending off to lymphedema Linda. Linda. And there's also lymphedema Liz. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, yes, I've been sending them off. And I have had two men since that have been using the pump and before it's got to the, the Christmas tree, I've <laughs> suggested use the pump and use the bandaging technique straight away to avoid it because that yeah. was my first experience with that. I forgot about that. Thank yeah, you for bringing good. that up, Vanessa. That was no, great. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. That was Vanessa, a did you do any of the bandaging? Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got that right, didn't we? <laughs> well, uh, no, I, I lived and hoped. <laughs> <laughs> so you said put it on for a bit, but it actually, could you explain what you actually had to do? Well, you just get a bandage and bind it up pretty tight. So the energy goes long ways instead of out ways. So it's a bit like if you imagine you want the lymph um, fluid to go back into the body. So like when it's on someone's arm, if you see people with lymphedema in their arm after mm. they've had breast cancer and that, they put on like a constriction bandage that goes up and then pushes the lymph back. But I don't know that anyone makes those for penises. <laughs> so we just used a bandage and then started at the head of the penis and went back to the base. Yep. And then left it on for 10 minutes and no, then okay. released it. Yeah, yeah. And that was often enough just – and we did that for a couple of months, I think, didn't yeah, we? And, that, and then that, and also there was some 
um, lymphedema Linda gave you some massage, which I'm sure you were involved with, Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> I became involved in that, yes. <laughs> Just to drain the fluid as well. But it worked yes. well after worked we got started. Well. So yeah. Yeah. the bandage was less successful than seeing Linda. Yeah, and I must say it, um, it did take me by surprise that because remember I had to ask a couple of um, urologists for advice and they hadn't really seen mm. it either. And one was one urologist in particular came up with the bandaging technique and that and I thought that was good. Excellent. Yeah. Mm. And now we've prevented that in the future. So now I'm going, I know the surgeons who are taking out a few lymph nodes and making sure that I say this might get be a problem right. and we get it right early on. Mm. Yeah. So that was good. And then the other thing I wanted to ask, you guys have done a lot of travel together with injections. So I think that's an interesting story. Like how how have you gone with that? Because you've been to lots of different countries as well with mm. it, haven't you? It's, yeah. It was pretty easy to manage. You just have to keep the, the stuff refrigerated and you just carry a letter from the doctor. But never once have we been asked no. or no. searched or anything like that. Um, and for long flights, if you're on a 18-hour flight, you always worry that the it's not going to remain cool enough, but it always has. Hotels have always got um, a refrigerator and yeah. it, it just hasn't been an issue at all. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the thing I always say to people that I always give them a letter that says you're going to be travelling because of prostate cancer treatment with needles and a vial of medicine, but... Nobody I know has ever been asked for it. Mm -hmm. And I also always say to put it in the hold because in the hold it's always cold when the plane's up. So you put it in the hold with an ice pack, it freezes up there anyway, that's fine. And then by the time you land and get to your hotel, usually it's okay. I have recently discovered these funny little things which you crack and then it goes really cold. Oh, yes. And you can get Mm. a couple of them and then Mm. when they dry out, you don't even need a fridge. So Mm. one patient of mine is a hiker. So he told me about them because he took them hiking and um, now I'm going to to get some in (laughs) because they're really good. You don't need to go – you can even take your injection hiking, which is pretty good. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's amazing what people could get up to. Yeah. So uh, how are you feeling now about the future? Like are you – it's – I mean things are definitely improving. You're feeling hopeful that things are going to get back to normal? We're confident that um, it'll be back to normal by September mm-hmm. at the two-year mark and we try non-needle erections and sometimes they're successful and sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it just surprises us and away we go. And you have to make the most of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. But having the tablets as well now, that seems to work. Yes. One, one worked better than the other. Yeah. So Which one worked better for you guys? Which uh, tablet? The Viagra. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the other one didn't work at all. Yeah. Um, and the Viagra doesn't work 100% every time, but, you know, you can take a needle one day and a Viagra the next. Yeah, and as long as you know that you can never take a needle and the Viagra in the same 24 hours, yes. it's, yep. it's pretty good. And so, yeah, it's like it's just if you want the sure thing, you take the needle. And, That's right. And if you're not, if it's not going to be the yeah. end of the world, you can just use the Viagra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it is interesting because I find that a lot that out of the three different drugs that can oral medication you can take, often people will find one works for them and the others don't, and vice versa. It's really mm. interesting. And what about uh, the use of Cialis in this situation? Is it recommended to still take daily or not with injections? Yeah, so definitely still take the daily dose. I think the way I try and think about that is that's like a vitamin pill background just to keep everything flowing and happy. 
Um, and then because as long as you're taking it when you start the like getting the injection dose right, then you've already got that background dose so your injection is less and it's accounting for that. But if you started taking it in the middle of your injection, you might end up in trouble. So you want to <laughs> have a, you make sure you readjust it. But that works yes, I you. take that every day, just yep. no problems mm. at all. Yeah, no problems. I think you guys have done great and I just really wanted to speak to you really just to show that it is possible. I mean, look at you, Vanessa, like you obviously had to think about it but it yeah. didn't take you long, did it? Like no. you were... You know, no. and it yeah. hasn't stopped you guys from forming a great relationship. No, despite not at all. That, that yeah. first conversation yeah. is difficult, but if you don't have it, mm. nothing's going to happen. Yeah, mm. yeah. And and how would you advise someone to to approach that first conversation? Just blab it out <laughs> <laughs> with the with the writer that uh, it's not the end of the world and the injections do work. That first six months as well, trial and error, what, what you know, yeah, procedure all, it was. Or wasted trials though, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it was good. This is a very personal question, but do you inject yourself or does Vanessa inject you? Or how does, like, that actual process happen? Well, Vanessa sometimes does, but it's just easier and more convenient just for me to do it. Yeah. And with the tools that Melissa gives you, it's just very easy. Easy, painless, uh, no drama at all. What, a, what about from a spontaneity point of view? Do you find that is a problem? Like how do you overcome that? Because that's another complaint really about injections is spontaneity. Yes, sometimes we'd like to be able to inject more than once a day, but you can't do that. Um, you guys are going to be the envy of every <laughs> middle-aged couple that listens to this. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the, the spontaneity, we're lucky we're both retired. Um, so, yeah, we can just say, well, here we go. Mm. And um, it's up and at them in 20 minutes. Um, but at this end of life, you tend to plan things anyway. Mm. With uh, So it might be, you know, a regular Friday or something like that. Yeah. But um, spontaneity once a day is good enough. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Oh, I don't know. Um, maybe support the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which is all about prostate cancer. And when is that? Uh, it's coming up soon. Um, so Melissa and Joe are going to come for a ride with us. On the back of motorbikes. Yes, definitely love to do that. Yeah, yeah. we've been talking about that. Yeah. 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 yeah, we missed out on it last year because <laughs> we went travelling. We went travelling to Vietnam with all our needles and what have you. It's out any issue at all. Yeah, so we'll get people and have a look online for the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride, which raises money for prostate cancer. And I just can't thank you both enough because we don't get female partners on very often, Vanessa. Thank you. So it's great. Like, and I mean, we're thanking you too, Brian, but. Men always want to talk about their penises at every available <laughs> opportunity. It's a bit harder to get the partners too. So um, it's great. I really appreciate it. And I think this is – I don't think we've ever had a newly met couple on before. So I think it really helps for yeah. single people to go, you know what, it's not the end of your romantic life just because he's not working. And in actual fact, to be honest, he's probably working better than now than most 64-year-olds is working anyway. He does. Yeah. He, work, he works wonderfully well. So <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a couple of advantages. We make him work hard. <laughs> Just one thing. If, let's say you got to September and you weren't back to functioning 
just with a tablet or on your own and you faced using injections long term, how would you feel about that? Oh, not too fast at all. We'd, we'd probably hope that there was a mix of injections and Viagra and some sort of mix, but it's not a huge inconvenience. It, it really isn't. No, mm. not at no. all. No, that's great. Yeah. Have you got no, any more good. questions, Jojo? No, I think it's been a very, um, how could I say, industrious discussion. <laughs> <laughs> It was much less hard than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, that's not how it's supposed to work. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride To see him growing so fast into a man